This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Inside Story with Lee Chui Lin and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, should Zayed Hamidi be Deputy Prime Minister? We're going to be hearing from two people who take very differing opinions on the issue. Veteran journalist Khadir Jassin, who said that Anwar will be committing a political suicide via point side Hamidi as DPM, while ex-PKR Vice President Tian Chua seems to, say, seems to think that it's a bitter but necessary st- uh, pill to stay in power. And of course, we want to hear from you. We are waiting on the cabinet announcement. But in the meantime, considering this is a coalition government, is having Zayed Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister the price you're willing to pay for stability? Call 7733 send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 Tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. Let's start with the bare facts, shall we? Um, Barisan National comprises 30 seats um, in the current makeup of this administration. Its chairman, um, Zaid Hamidi, Datuk Sri Ahmad Zaid Hamidi, to be precise, uh, has had uh, to defend himself against 47 criminal charges um, of breaches of trust, uh, corruption, money laundering related to funds from Yayasan Akal Budi. Um, he was previously acquitted of 40 corruption charges. I, I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture here of why... Despite whatever happens next, we are still going to be seeing him in a court of law. There are still issues of corruption. Uh, And that, I think, is the basic bare bones of what you need to know in order to understand why um, this question of deputy prime minister is one that is currently troubling a lot of people. Yeah, what is also uh, clear is that Malaysia is entering into a phase, kind of unexpected, I think, following really the um, the dynamics set in place by 2018 and that general election of a very f- fractured political landscape. Uh, the, and the fractures are getting deeper and uh, we are unlikely ever to have any coalition, and there are now several, more than two coalitions, vying for uh, for power. And so because of that coalition, that were competing at a general election now have to find uh, now find themselves in an uncomfortable position of having to create alliances across those divides. So it's not just that uh, Zaid Hamidi comes with this uh, baggage or CV of uh, criminal uh, c- cases against him, but that much of the campaign by Pakatan Harapan leaders, you know, vilified him for precisely this. So now they have to make sense of the the need, the political necessity of including his uh, 30 seats uh, in their coalition. I have to confess, Sharad, we, uh, in the lead up to GE15, spoke so much about compromise, endlessly, you know, so many shows about it. And uh, maybe it was naive of me, but this is not the 
the context that I thought we would be having the conversation in. In my wildest dreams, if you had told me prior to November 19th that, hey, you know what's going to happen after this, right? This is how it's all going to pay off. Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily how I would have thought about it. And I, I suspect that a lot of people are feeling similarly whiplashy about the whole situation. We've had a bit of time to get used to it, but not a lot. And so, yeah, it seemed like the right time before the cabinet is announced to just open up this question, right? So obviously, we're all concerned with the issue of stability. We all want a stable government. Considering then that this is a a coalition government that came together kind of under pressure and and at the last minute, um, is having Zaid Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister the price that needs to be paid for stability? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So this hour of the show is broadly going to be dedicated to hearing different perspectives. Um, after this, it uh, we will be joined by National Journalism Laureate Dato A Kadir Jasin, um, who is of the opinion. Um, I mean, of course, he will explain it later as well, that elect- selecting uh, Zayed Hamidi as DPM is not a good call, to put it mildly. We'll return for that. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. It is 6.13 and you're listening to Insight Story with Lynn and Sharad. Uh, the question today or the main focus today is Datuk Sri Ahmad Zayed Hamidi and whether he... What's going to happen, I suppose, how people will react, uh, whether it is the right call for him to potentially hold the position of Deputy Prime Minister, um, a question that is still hanging over this question of the cabinet at the moment. Let us know what you think. Um, is having Zaid Hamidi as DPM the price that needs to be paid for stability? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to pre- uh, represent I suppose one point of view is Dato A. Kadir Jassin, National Journalism Laureate. Uh, Kadir, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you, Olin. Yes, thank you very much. So let's dive right in. Uh, you recently said that Anwar Ibrahim would be committing political suicide if he selected mm-hmm. Zaid Hamidi as DPM or appointed him to any position in his government. Uh, could you talk us through what your reasons were for this? Well, I'm, uh, I will not talk on behalf of anybody else or about anybody else except the Prime Minister, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. It is his call. It is not anybody's call, but his call. So he can decide who he wants to appoint his cabinet. And, of course, he'll have to take the risk for appointing, uh, if he appoints somebody which is uh, generally unpopular. So it is not about who he is appointing, but more about himself making the decision. Kade Anu has said that uh, at least uh, some some days ago that he would take all views into consideration with regarding Zaid's appointment or not non-appointment, as it may be. But he's also added a caveat. He's now saying that one is innocent until proven guilty. Slango ex-quoting Chang Kim has criticized this reasoning there's a sudden shift in, in tone and approach to the question of Zaid Hamidi's uh, legal cases. What do you make of this? Well, I, uh, well, uh, 
Pardon me if I say that uh, probably I'm uh, among the oldest journalists to know uh, who know who knows Anwar for quite some time. Uh, we had been friends and uh, adversaries for a long, long time, uh, from the time that he joined Amno in 1982. So I, my feeling is this. He better stick to promises he made to the people uh, before and after the election. Uh, I think changing the narrative about guilty and not being guilty, uh, to me, that doesn't gel well with the people. And uh, that's because he made a very strong promise presenting himself as a reformist and that he will not uh, tolerate uh, uh, anything that is less than proper. So now, if indeed he said that uh, a person is innocent until proven guilty, well, fine, that's it, that's okay, that's a point of law. But we are talking now about politics, about appointing somebody to the cabinet and more so holding a very important post of a deputy prime minister. So we cannot have just any Tom, Dick and Harry, uh, whether he is, whether he has court cases or no court cases, still we have to, we, ex- we as Malaysians who generally many of us voted for Katana Harapan, expect we want nothing less than the best. And... Uh, one that is the that will not have any black mark or any kind of suspicion uh, cast on him. Of course, the the counter argument here is that at the moment the prime minister leads a fragile coalition with an immediate need to secure a vote of confidence. Do you see this as a good enough reason to concede to demands made by Amnobian and cement support? Well, uh, I'm I didn't see. Or I have not said, or I'm not going to say, that this is, this is a fragile coalition. Uh, who says that? If Anwar says that, then he is being negative. He doesn't trust in himself, and he doesn't trust in the system. And most of all, he doesn't trust in the, in the majority of the people who are now supporting his government. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that this is fragile government. If he says this is fragile government, then he shouldn't have formed it in the first place. He should be saying that we have a strong government with the support of the people, support of the rulers. Well, that should be the narrative. Uh, I, I'm, I, if he says uh, this is a weak government, did he really say that? No, he didn't say that. But what, well, I think okay. this is when we're looking at the numbers. Can it talk us through the numbers? It, do you think, uh, uh, with the numbers that he has now, that in fact uh, it is a fragile coalition? Well, he has uh, he has more than uh, a simple majority. In given the current given the circumstances, that can be considered very strong. He started off with uh, no majority. Now he has a strong majority. And I believe this will, these people come in because they believe in Malaysia, not because they are looking for a post. 
Yeah, and that's so, uh, Anwar has said that, right? He did say that uh, cabinet positions will not be political rewards. But let's get back to Amno and let's uh, put a, a bit of focus on that. Uh, uh, Zaid Hamidi has uh, leads a fractious Amno. Uh, and at least 10 of the MPs uh, actually were happy to go over to the pre-Katan side. So in some sense, you know, Zaid himself is not secure and therefore Anwar it cannot rely completely on him. I mean, is, is there something in that that is pushing or could push Anwar to uh, conceding to uh, Zaid as a DPM? Well, you know, uh, there are more than one person representing uh, AMNO and Barisan National in the current uh, unity government. The unity government. I would like to stress on the word unity government. Well, they shouldn't, they, they shouldn't have come in if they don't believe in unity, right? So uh, there's, there's more than one person uh, in Barisan National, and certainly there are 26 AMNO MPs to be chosen by Anwar. So I think we should, in fact, be talking about uh, the many, many uh, Barisan National AMNO MPs who, are, who have no uh, blemishes, who are pretty uh, clean, who are capable. Uh, why can't we consider them? We are, we are, we, Anwar is uh, selecting only one of them. There are 26 of them now. And why do we have to focus on one or two persons? Unless Anwar himself is making excuses to choose a particular person. If we take a step back from the position of Deputy Prime Minister and look at the cabinet as a whole, I mean, uh, Anwar has already said that this is going to be, he's promised, um, he has also doubled down on the fact that it's going to be a trimmed down cabinet. Uh, mm-hmm. He also said today that cabinet positions and other appointments aren't meant to be rewards for political support. Mm-hmm. Uh, can he, in fact, realistically maintain the stance, you think? He cannot continue to make promises and not fulfill it. I mean, Anwar shouldn't be. Now he's a Prime Minister. Uh, he cannot sing lyricals just to get support and to be popular. Now he has to be unpopular in order to become uh, an effective prime minister. In the last few days, he has been making uh, a couple of presidential uh, moves uh, that make him very popular. Small government, uh, no wastage. No Mercedes S-Class uh, 600cc and those stuff. These are very popular moves. But now, if he is going to have a precious small cabinet of 20 or 25, then the choice of the people to sit in that small precious cabinet must even be more thorough. He cannot just pick any Dick, Tom and Harry to his liking. Uh, to be members of his cabinet. But, Kaji, yeah, but Kaji, is there a question of political culture? We've had decades-long uh, kind of practices that use cabinet positions as rewards. We saw it under Ismail Sabri. We saw it under Muhyiddin Yassin. How can one person now... Uh, without a strong mandate himself and rely entirely on his own coalition for uh, to keep power, how can he change that overnight? Is this, is this something of a long-term project rather than something that will come immediately? Well, uh, I don't think Anwar is that weak 
as being uh, if I understand you, then you are portraying Anwar as being weak. I don't think so. Uh, I believe that he has enough strength, enough support to do even the most unpopular things. Uh, reducing the cabinet to 20 or 25 is already an unpopular thing uh, with the uh, with the politicians. But uh, the, it, it goes down very well with the people. We are, I think, the people are pretty fed up with feudalism, uh, with big government, with uh, wastage, uh, corruption, and those things. And those are the things that uh, propel Pakatan Harapan in the first place in 2018. So I think Anwar. Uh, it's a carbon upon Anwar, uh, no matter how difficult it is in uh, in uh, forming the cabinet and making everybody happy, uh, he must be in mind eventually it's a people <clears throat> that he should be thinking about, should be thinking about. Kadi, thank you so much. I, so you are about, about the political culture. <clears throat> well, this is the time to change the political culture. The people, uh, <clears throat> Anwar has promised that. And Anwar is being portrayed around the world as a reformist. Well, he <clears throat> promised to uh, make changes to the, the system, to the institutions, and he should start it with his cabinet. <clears throat> Kade, thank you so much for speaking yes. with us today. Yes, thank you very much to you too. Bye. That was Dato A. Kadir Jassin, National Journalism Laureate, uh, weighing in on why, uh, in his view, Zaid Hamidi cannot be selected as Deputy Prime Minister, um, and I think making several salient points in the process. Yeah, but, but again, you know, the, um, there will be the realists who say uh, this is not the time for uh, this gesture. Uh, it, it, it's something that needs to be built up over time. That would be one argument against him. But I do think that it's interesting th- Kade does point to some very important issues. How do you sell this to the larger public when we've spent and Anwar has spent the last 20 years uh, making the argument for change. How do you walk people through a process uh, doing, doing a situation that's much more complicated and messy than we could have imagined? A lot of thoughts coming through already. Um, so if we start with... Uh, okay, let, let's... Let's start with the comparisons to others, right? Because Daniel, Jerry and Amirul are all bringing other people into the mix. Uh, so Daniel says, if Zahid out, Sadiq out too. Um, Jerry says, many others can be appointed as DPM. Um, but Zahid, you know, uh, same as Syed Sadiq, maybe not. Uh, Amirul says, I'm not a fan, but he's not the only one with court cases. Lim Guan Ng and Syed Sadiq should be exempted from ministerial posts as well. So Ting Chang Kim, who is a, a Slango exco and I believe a member of the DAP, uh, he's made this very interesting argument. He says we can't let Zaid uh, come into cabinet because we fought on the platform uh, rejecting people with court cases uh, com- coming into power, right? And he says, even if, so he says, well, if you cannot resist it because uh, of a threat from Barisan National to pull out of a coalition and th- therefore ending uh, Anwar Ibrahim's prime ministership, he says, at least then we sh- on our side should maintain it and not have any of our people who have court cases sit in cabinet too. 
Zul is saying, BFM, please don't put ideas into the government's head. Um, K. Justin is correct. We have to be confident. Did the PM even mention that Zahid will be made DPM? So this has actually been a question that's been put to Anwar before, right? Uh, Because he needed to make the alliance. And the question was put to him whether he was asked for anything in return for the support, right? And he said the court cases remain. So this is about forming government. The judicial processes continue But it was a question that was on everybody's mind. I don't think we are inventing this question. It is, in fact, and that's that's why so many people have written over the last 24 hours about this, because uh, it is a concern. So... Because it is a concern, we're going to be continuing this conversation after this um, and hearing actually from Tian Chua, who is the former Batu MP as well as uh, ex-PKR vice president, about his point of view, which is is rather different, I think, from the one that we just heard. Let us know, though, um, considering this is a coalition government, do you think having Zayed Hamidi as deputy prime minister is the price to pay for stability? How do you feel about it? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here on Inside Story BFM eighty nine point nine. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And today, ahead of the cabinet announcement, um, well, to be fair, the Prime Minister has asked for more time, right, to make considerations with the cabinet. But ahead of whenever that turns out to be, um, we are visiting, I think, this recurring question that has been much discussed and written about Zaid Hamidi uh, and his pending corruption cases and how that factors into the mathematics about Deputy Prime Minister, because uh, the Prime Minister has not necessarily given a hint as to who is going to make up the composition of the Cabinet. However, what he has already said is that it will there will be a Deputy Prime Minister from the largest coalitions within the coalition of governments. It's a coalition of coalitions. And in other words, since he is holding the spot representing Pakatan Harapan as Prime Minister, um, the next two, 30 seats and 23, Three. Am I getting that right? Yeah, uh, 30, GPS, GPS. GPS. So 30 for BN and 23 for GPS. We know that there will be two deputy prime ministers. Yeah, so the complications are multiple. And I think uh, Anwar Ibrahim today has said you need to know precisely because of the nature of the unity government. Remember, we've never had this in in our you know history as a modern nation. So uh, the question is, do these uh, political parties or coalitions, uh, Barca National, for which side is the chairperson, they, do they make the decision about who they would like uh, and then present that to Anwar? Does Anwar just pick from a stable of possibilities that are in the coalition? So there's uh, Amno Barca National on one hand, we have GPS, uh, discussions and rumours about who GPS wants, they're in that position. They'll probably be jostling there as well. And then, of course, for Anwar, the question is, if he maintains, as he did today, that he's going to try and trim this cabinet down, make it nimble, the question of talent. It just can't be representation, but it must be about capacity and capability to deliver on the on the agenda of the day, which is uh, reducing costs, dealing with the uh, you know the global headwinds that are going to come, uh, you know ref- reform of education, uh, all these uh, the healthcare system. So there are many things on the on his plate to consider 
But today we're looking at the Zaid Hamidi problem because it does help us. Um, it's a window on the character of this government, this cobbled together coalition of coalitions, as some people have said. Trisha Yu, I think, is the one that coined that. So coalition of coalitions. What do Malaysians, we as Malaysians, have to understand about this particular moment in our political history? So we heard earlier um, from Dato A. Kadeh Jassin, a National Journalism Laureate, who basically made the argument that Anwar is not in a fragile position. He is, in fact, the Prime Minister and therefore can call the shots that he, he refutes the idea that this is a, a fragile alliance and that therefore the promise of no corruption, no corruption in the cabinet needs to be followed to the letter. Um, and now joining us to present a perhaps slightly different perspective. Oh, is, entirely different. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm downplaying it. Um, is former PKR Vice President Tian Chua. Uh, Tian, good to have you with us. Yeah, yeah, good evening. So you have said that AMNO President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi could play a key role in stabilizing Anwar Ibrahim's government. How so? Yeah, I think that first of all, uh, to deliver reform, you need a stable and uh, effective government. Uh, from the whole process of formation of the Pakatan Harapan Barisan National Unity Grand, U- Grand Coalition Government, you see very clearly that uh, without Zahid, um, there will be no coalition government. Uh, quite likely that it might uh, not even be headed by so I think in the process, we have to recognize that uh, this is a coalition of being, firstly, being the first two blocks, which is Baisa National and PH. And we have to recognize that whoever recommended by uh, Baisa National, um, PH must give a priority to as a consideration. So, so just to clarify, Tian, you're saying that that this is in fact not a decision in Anwar's hands. This is uh, left to his coalition well, not partner. Totally, uh, it shouldn't be because this is a coalition. It's a coalition that mutual respect and uh, recognizing that you need the other side is very important. And to carry out uh, well reform and even basically to deliver a stable government, you need to have all your partners uh, trusting each other and work together. So given, and and this is something we've talked about, something that's also coming up quite a bit, um, you know, pending corruption and bribery cases, how would you square away this appointment with... I um, think think people, um, I would not like to see a window dressing type of uh, um, cosmetic um, image building. For me, by talking about uh, Makama cluster, therefore they shouldn't be in and, uh, you know, asset decoration and Prime Minister not receiving salary. These are cosmetic. The real issues is we need a capable, strong government to be able to deliver what they promised. I would like to see real reforms such as procurement, such as, uh, you know, transparent in terms of uh, awarding projects. These are the real issues. And uh, having a... Oh, we seem to have lost Tian. Um, we'll try and get him back. Okay, so uh, so I'd like to take up Tian's uh, uh, thoughts on cosmetic window dressing types of gestures versus 
what can it be achieved in the mid, mid to long term if you have stability? So that, I think, is the, the Tian uh, argument. I'm not sure how uh, his peers will be persuaded or this general population will be persuaded because of the messaging that, gone through, uh, that happened during the run up to the polls. Can I just contest that slightly, though? Because I, I feel as if when we call something messaging, we assume that it doesn't come with strong feelings behind it. You know, um, I, I don't think that just because people have been told a political message, which is that this person stands for corruption, etc. Of course, it's shaped the way people feel. Um, but that... I feel um, that, with respect, <laughs> that that kind of downplays genuine, very strong feelings people might have about individuals that have been seen to have been involved in corruption or at least, you know, being tried for it. And so, you know, it, it, they're not the same thing, right? Having heard a lot of political messaging and feeling very strongly that, hey, I voted somebody in because I didn't think that this would be part and parcel of this administration. Those are different perspectives. Yes, that's true, Lynn. But I also think there's a, there is a larger problem around, you know, the distinction we make between people who have uh, a court case pending and the general problem of corruption. And so, that's fair. And yeah. so many political parties, and I think... Just about every political party will have both individuals, but then you might have more systemic problems. So if the position is that we all, we're only going to uh, avoid people with direct, immediate court cases, is that kind of missing the, the, the larger problem? I mean, does saying, you know, a no to Zayed actually suddenly transform your administration into one that's clean when all the political parties are somehow steeped in this culture that there's something deeply, uh, there's, there's something systemic about corruption and therefore um, we, this distinction doesn't hold uh, strongly. So I wanted to get to this. Uh, we're waiting, by the way, um, to get back on the line with Tian Chua. Actually, I think he might be back with us. Uh, Tian, hi, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear Yeah. Well, let's try this because you're you're breaking up a little. But um, your uh, your your positions, Tian, uh, seem to be um, you know problematic, and at least I, I think you when we look at what Rafida Aziz said, uh, Teng Chang Kim, who's uh, Slango State Exco, there is a concern that uh, the the mixed message will be damaging to the government of the day. I think uh, as much as we want to try to uh, show that we are clean by just not having so-called people who have case, um, I think that the key issues is to deliver a successful reform. And uh, I repeat, we need to have a good combination where Pakatan and Barisan National must uh, develop a good synergy. So um, it is, I mean, I will, I will use the example of the previous government where the so-called court clusters are not included. But at the, at the end of the day, tensions um, developed between the coalition partners. There was no trust. At the end, you don't see uh, effective reforms. So I, I will be more... Um, I will be more magnanimous to give opportunity 
national to show that they are able to reform rather than having this uh, cosmetic, uh, what's that called, presentation to the public for the time being. We've been talking about how to uh, kind of communicate this to the public as a whole, right? Because, um, you know, Sharad mentioned this earlier, that messaging was very strong um, and very strong yeah. specifically against Zayed Hamidi. I think so- the best messaging is the result. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that by having uh, Zahid or having a very solid cooperation between the two will definitely achieve uh, uh, anti-graph goal. But the point is, to me, let's take the hard one, which is to do real reform rather than uh, just showing this sort of superficial, um, you know, communicating a positive message. But I, I will go back to my point, which is we have to look into even Barisan National, the 30 members of parliament were not solidly with Pakatan Harapan. Without, without Zahid's firm commitment to Pakatan Harapan government, see this government will be able to um, maintain its stability and to deliver the um, promise, um, or as I call, reforms and administration that as uh, we all expected from the Pakatan um, Grand Coalition. Okay, you seem to suggest that in many ways uh, Anwar Ibrahim comes into this position owing uh, Zayed uh, quite a bit politically. But, and, and I guess all the other coalition partners, uh, GPS included, because, uh, you know... I think the, the, the issues is, there is a, it's more or less of an ideological coalition. Uh, personally, I think for me to work harder, we actually need to work with PN. But since uh, all the parties have chosen to to have a Pakatan-led uh, middle-of-the-road moderate government, um, therefore, for all these diverse political party to work together, the first thing Anwar Ibrahim has to do is to build trust among the teams. And there was, mind you, we don't have a history of working together with Barisan National. We don't have history of working with uh, GPS and GRS. And they were remnants or splinter of uh, Barisan National before. And as I said, uh, Zahed could be an asset to unite them and to provide a stable leadership for the Pakatan government. Okay, well, Tian, six months down the road, when AMNO has its own elections, and Zaid, if Zaid does not win, does that put Amnu yeah, Zabai? We respect Barista National choice. If uh, AMNO choose another leaders, and I hope that the the new leaders will commit to the Grand Coalition, and therefore uh, the new leaders will take over. I mean, we have to respect the decision of our coalition partner. And it is not something that uh, Anwar can pick and choose on these issues. Tian, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That was Tian Chua, former PKR Vice President, uh, weighing in on this question that has been hanging over the issue of uh, the cabinet formation for a little while, which is the possible selection of 
Zayed Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister, considering the position he holds within the second largest coalition within the government. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think the question keeps coming back to Anna about Zayed, but there are many other, I think, issues, including uh, individual court cases within the Pakatan Harapan yeah. uh, home. There's also the issue of GPS and GRS. Um, I, I don't. And, yeah. And overall, the larger picture of the cabinet, which is something coming through in the messages too, right? Yeah. That um, you know, while we are focusing, I think the the question of the DPM is because it's a microcosm of the larger issue of the cabinet. Um, but there are also. But don't you think? Yeah. But don't you think this is a political kind of like um, between political idealism and political realism, and then Anwar is going to have to play the realist, and the people who demand that he uh, only be an idealist might actually be asking him to commit political suicide because that what we'll do is he'll hold on to these ideals and then be out of power in six months. And and then the question is not just him being out of power, but who will replace him? And I think that's a consideration too. So we are going to come back very shortly for your messages. Uh, we've been asking you for your thoughts on uh, basically the question of having Zaid Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister. If you'd like to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded. BFM 89.9. It is 6.55 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And it's time now for messages because they have been pouring in. (laughs) It is a a bit of a controversial topic. I'm going to be honest also that some people are mad at us for talking about it. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, to be fair to us and in in our defense, as it were, uh, we're not conjured this up from uh, from nothing. This is, in fact, in the air. It's more more important. It's in the media. And this was a problem already baked into the the development of the coalition. So, you know, um, how that plays out and how uh, Anwar is going to be assessed at every step of the t- uh, of his tenure as prime minister is what we're talking about, right? And you can see that the, the opinions are divided. They're realists, they're idealists, uh, they're people in the middle and hoping that at the end of the day, the outcome will be uh, what this administration is judged by. Outcome, not in terms of who is Deputy Prime Minister, but the kind of agenda that this government wants to deliver in terms of cost of living, in terms of uh, reform. So uh, we have this one from Munif that I think is pretty interesting. I would actually love Zayed Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister. If anything, this would be a good permanent rubber stamp in the minds of fanatical voters who keep voting based on blind loyalty and sentiments. That the politicians on all sides are way more fluid with their principles and allegiances. Loyal, loyal for what? In the end, sworn enemies are sleeping in the same bed. Wisen up and vote for your interests next time, not your political celebs. Yeah, but you know, when you look at um, democracies around the world, especially where uh, the voting system is much more um, uh, representative, you know, you have uh, proportional uh, representation in various forms, you, you do see uh, unusual co- comings together, right? Of coalitions that are built uh, out of necessity. Uh, you can argue that this is bad because people have to dilute their positions, but you can a- argue that it's good because it has a moderating effect on any of the uh, any of the interest groups coming in, saying, "Well, we can't get every. You can't take a maximalist position on a political reform or anything. Really, what you need to do is to negotiate." And so, uh, you know, Tian made a very interesting point. He says, "You know." 
he would have uh, liked to have seen, if I, if I understand correctly, a PNPH uh, coalition. And, and that would have been interesting because, again, you, you have a coming together of, uh, of Diametrically opposed. Yeah, almost diametrically mm. opposed. Uh, they were both on the same page around the kleptocrats, but, what it, but also very different in terms of social uh, agendas, values, uh, tone, uh, the accusations against Purikatan for being racist. But if, if PH came together with them, then they would have to find an accommodation. Would it have, in fact, forced a moderating of positions and, a, a, you know, long term, would that have been good for the country? We will return to this question shortly. Um, in the meantime, we'd like to hear from you. Do you think that uh, having Zaid Hamidi as Deputy Prime Minister is the price to pay potentially for stability within this coalition setup, this new political reality that we find ourselves in? If you'd like to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for all of your messages, voice notes, and calls. After the 7 o'clock news, keep it here on Inside Story BFM 89.9. Bigotry Free Malaysia, BFM 89.9. It is 7.07. You are listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And we've been tackling something of a tricky question uh, for the last hour or so, which is what happens now that you have um, Anwar Ibrahim, who has 80... Three, three seats in the form, 82 yeah. seats in the form of Pakatan Harapan, leading a coalition of other coalitions in order to, to get that majority support in government and therefore now having to choose a two deputy prime ministers potentially, potentially from the two larger blocks within the coalition, right? And so all along um, from the beginning when the conversation first began about the numerous meetings that uh, BN and Amno were having and the numerous kind of we will move as a block calls. Um, the question had always come up of what to do with Zaid Hamidi, right? Um, who himself currently occupies the position of uh, chairman of Barisan National, president of AMNO, and the question, therefore, of how he relates to the DPM position is one that's come up quite a bit, and we're opening that up today and asking you how you feel about it. So. If you'd like to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, first up, I think we do have a caller on the line with us. We've got Victor. Uh, Victor, good evening. What are your thoughts? Good evening, Lynn and Sharan. Uh, since we're in the middle of World Cup, I will use a football metaphor. I mean, following the example of this. Uh, Hadi Awang and Nazib Razak. Uh, actually, Jahir Hamidi is the assist king. Without him, this uh, uh, Anwar Ibrahim would not have scored the goal by becoming the prime minister. So, <laughs> uh, actually, I was uh, this uh, ABZ, Asa Bukan Jahid, before. Hmm. Uh, when I say was, meaning that uh, suddenly... This uh, uh, he doesn't look that uh, unappealing anymore. So I know, I know, I, I am this. Uh, I'm a unprincipled hypocrite, guilty as such, uh, as charged. But uh, I believe I'm not the only one. And as for our prime minister, 
it's a it's a case of this uh, them if you do them if you don't. So, well, nothing to lose. Okay, but can I just ask you, Victor? You know, when, yeah. what is the pushback against you? Is it that you are, like you say, a hypocrite? And why doesn't that hurt? Why doesn't it hurt enough for you to change your mind back to your original position? Well, I mean, we all know politics is a dirty game, and uh, it's an art of uh, possible, this of the possible, and. Uh, is uh, sometimes it's the art of uh, doing something when you have very limited option, and well, <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, um, maybe this uh, my heart and my mind, uh, my heart and my head. In this case, it's telling me different thing. Victor, uh, thanks so much for calling. And you know, you said that I think I'm not alone. And I have to tell you that you absolutely are not. Um, in fact, Ling um, kind of chimed in with something that sounds almost alike, saying, oddly, since the election results are hit in my eyes, is a hero. I would be okay for him to be Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, just let the judicial system take its course. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in court, after all. A friend who is a friend in difficult times is a good friend. Uh, Ling follows on, trying to be an idealist in politics is suicide. Uh, if Pakatan tries to be too by the book, there just might not be a cabinet to be formed. Do not underestimate Pakatan National. The fight is not over. Yeah, so it does seem like a new f- uh, f- uh lines are opening up between, you know, what is it that this fight was about? Remember, I think it was essentially about corruption. But today, there is yet another line that's being drawn. That's between um, those who support a a multi-ethnic, multi-confessional, multilingual view of the country and those who support a a conservative uh, one that's based on the hegemony of the majority group against everybody else. Uh, that also, I think, is playing into the discourse at this point in time and shaping the way people view, because it's not simply about who should become deputy prime, um, prime minister, but if this government falls, what will it be replaced by? So we started off with someone whose mind has changed. Um, we do, to be fair, have a fair amount of people who agree. I did, however, want to get to the people who don't. So uh, let's start with this one from, uh, let's see, Vaishnavi, who says, a big fat no to Zayed Hamidi. We cannot let the new cabinet be a pusat pemulihan for politicians who are being investigated for corruption. Uh, anyway, his future is also not certain as it all comes down to the UMNO selection of a chairman, which is a point that you made earlier, Sharad. Yeah, so this is very true. And in fact, there are many possible scenarios. One is that Barisan National will not insist on having Zaid uh, as its representative in cabinet. It could push any number of people, including Mat Hassan there. It's, you know, some of the, our listeners have uh, have suggested as much. Yeah. Uh, uh, he could step back as he did previously uh, when Ismail Sabri took the, the role of prime minister. It was also the first time that an AMNO president wasn't also prime minister was in power. So um, a lot of things are possible. And, you know, you said this was a tricky question. It's also a trigger kind of question today because some people, I think, uh, are upset by our suggestion that this is, in fact, going to come 
to uh, fruition. We're not, in fact, suggesting that uh, this is either in the mind of uh, Anu Ibrahim at the moment. He's just said, give him time. And I think there's a lot of speculation and there's a lot of attempts to think through the limited options. Victor talked about limited options. This is, in fact, what Anwar is facing. So... Sarah is also not a fan. Sarah says, you know, Pakatan Harapan and the now opposition from uh, opposition voters from Paikatan gave a strong signal against corruption. That already is very huge. If we add the dissenting voices within BN ranks itself, the choice against a tainted deputy prime minister is indeed written on the wall. Rhetoric will not help here. It will definitely backfire. Um, similarly, we have Kamar Nizam who says even half of the AMNO supporters wouldn't want Sahid to be in the cabinet, which I think is a very valid point. Um, Cameron goes on to say, now political parties and supporters are also starting to learn not to demonise and hurl mud about court decisions. Um, you know, playing the moral playing the moral high card is easy and people are suckers for it, but it doesn't always work. Yeah, so the other thing is that if Parikatan was to be given the role of forming the government, they come in with even fewer seats than the Pakatan Harpan, right? And and therefore, we'll also have to have Amno and Zaid playing on their team, as they did when Muidin and the Sheraton move happened, while they talked about, at least rhetorically, uh, you know, uh, keeping themselves, uh, you know, at a safe distance from the kleptocrats or the court cluster. In fact, they needed the court cluster to uh, grab power and hold on to it. So, you know, the, the, the thing is, no, none of the two big players could do without Barisan national support. The issue is um, whether Zaid would play a major role in the formation of the cabinet at this point in time. We have uh, Tina on the line with us. Tina, good evening. What are your thoughts? I, I feel that all those who are charged in court for corruption or any of the cases should be dropped from the cabinet so that the judiciary and the parliament are different and there's justice for all of us. Well, clearly, I think uh, there's no question. Well, there's no question of dropping because no cabinet has been formed. But you're right. So Pakatan also has individuals who have court cases. Said Sadek from Muda, uh, Lim Guaneng from the AP also have court cases, uh, and both of them were former ministers. So uh, the the I think the argument is that uh, this law, if it's a principle, it's going to have to be applied evenly. I think that's one argument. The other argument is that okay, and I think. Uh, Cheng Chang Kim uh, from uh, Selangor State Government has said that if we can't hold, uh, you know, Amno to uh, give us uh, or give the Pakatan Harapan an option other than Zayed, then at least on the Pakatan side, they should not proffer those uh, among their ranks who have court cases. Dina, thanks so much for calling. Um, you know, your point is one that's been made uh, a number of times ac- across the board already, and I think, I think it's one that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, the the messages broadly are divided tonight. I, I think that's fair to say, but I haven't yet seen anybody who's like, yes, um, you know, it's okay from this side, but not okay from the other. So if, if there's any comfort to be taken, it's that everyone agrees, you know, that ideally, in an ideal world. This would absolutely be the case that you would have people in the cabinet who, on the one hand, don't have pending cases and on the other are very well qualified. We, I think we haven't spoken enough um, about the, the idea of qualification and what qualifies somebody to hold the position of DPM. And perhaps that's that's a little bit sad in the sense that 
today um, our conversation has very much been driven by political expediency, right? And and that maybe is also kind of, for me personally, a little bit of a sad look at our political landscape. I know that you're going to say something about how it's a it's a realistic look, it's a necessary look. You've been, you know, kind of saying this what quite a bit. What are you trying bit. to suggest, Lynn? I'm trying to suggest that you're a realist and maybe I, I'm less so. I, okay, I, you know, let's... let's l- I don't know what's wrong with being a realist. I think nothing the, is. Yeah, nothing is. I, 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 do, I think the the point about realists is that you come to um, understand or accept that that democracy and uh, this game is uh, has has rules, and the, and within those rules there are limitations. I think one of the rules we're looking at is that the components of a coalition are autonomous, right? They they got they have to work with each other. I think that was Tien's argument, that in fact, in accepting the rules of coalition building, one thing is to say, well, you decided to put this person up, X. We might not find that person agreeable, but because we're in a coalition, uh, we don't have the right to overturn your or, or make demands on you. We'll be back for more of uh, the voice notes and messages that have been coming in. If you'd like to weigh in on this question of the Deputy Prime Minister potentially being Zaid Hamidi, because again, we're talking about the makeup of the coalition, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM. 89.9. It is 7.20 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And uh, we have been exploring with a non-stop torrent of messages um, the, the question, the possibility really of Zaid Hamidi being made Deputy Prime Minister, um, you know, just because of the position that BN specifically holds within this coalition, within uh, Anwar Ibrahim's administration. And uh, yeah, so... It's been mixed. There are no's. There are, yeah, I can make it. And then there are people pointing out, I think, just other more neutral thoughts. Um, so let's see. Let's start with this one from Aaron, though, who is making a reference to a point that was raised by our guest earlier, uh, Tian Chua, saying Tian Chua very casually brushing off uh, the new prime minister's personal efforts to not take a salary and reject grand cars as mere superficial cosmetic messaging sounds like a, and I'm quoting Aaron, jealous sibling who didn't get enough attention. Uh, what Anwar did is to reset the corrupt culture that is so deeply entrenched in the system where politicians feed on power and high salaries. This is the least he could do to set an example for the rest of the undeserving big talkers. Well, Aaron, I think you're absolutely right on one level that um, perhaps Tien was too quick to brush off uh, these these decisions as cosmetic. But I think to be uh, fair or generous towards Tien is that what Tien does go on to say is that there, there is a need for a deeper restructuring of society, including our, our culture, so that we get to lasting change. And that requires, and this I think is his point, that requires political stability. The argument that he's making is that Anwar has to uh, remain in power in order to make effective long-term changes. We have uh, two contrasting voice notes. Let's start with this one from Saiful. I do not agree Zaid Hamidi become the Deputy Prime Minister. For me, it's not a very viable 
candidate due to several factor. One, he is not really in really total power in Amno right now because there's a lot of coalition against him. And another thing is right now because he's pending case, what will happen if he found guilty in during the as a um, court found guilty for another charges is coming in? What will happen to the deputy prime minister position? Then we have to change another one. In my I do believe that if we have to pick up another deputy prime minister, my humble suggestion will be Muhammad Hassan. Because Muhammad Hassan is right now is quite clean a candidate and second place in term of president. Uh, timbalan, timbalan president Amno and of course timbalan pengurusi untuk for Barisan Nasional. He is much better candidate compared to uh, Zaid Hamidi and Ismail Sabri. So just quickly, uh, K. John also agrees with that. Um, assessing Muhammad Hassan as relatively no drama, keeps his head down, does the work. Uh, now, I did promise two contrasting messages. So that was Saiful. Uh, up next, we have uh, Mani. My opinion is that if the unity government uh, need to stay in power and the only way is to make uh, Zaid Hamidi a DPM, then I think he should be done. Uh, and his court case need not be dropped. He can, I mean, of course, the law will take its its uh, its, its cause. Uh, but we have to just uh, uh, take it that he's innocent until proven guilty. So my verdict is that uh, he should be uh, appointed, and and I'm okay with that. Uh, and I'm I'm go, I'm going to forgive uh, Anwar for doing that. Mani, Saiful, thank you both so much for sending in voice notes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this exercise has forced us all to look deeply at not just our personal convictions, but to measure them up against what the world demands of us, right? And uh, what Victor says, limited options. So in a world of limited options, what do you do? We've talked for several weeks about compromise. We've talked about, you know, picking the second best all kinds of things that make us uncomfortable, but actually we will have to deal with, at least for the foreseeable future, since no group, and it's unlikely anybody I've talked to who knows politics or has thinks that Malaysia will go back to the days where one coalition is going to be hegemonic. We're going to have to deal with this for some time. So best that we start to um, examine ourselves and learn to think in ways that allow this government or any government that comes to power to focus on the more important issues. Or, well, actually, this is an important issue, but in other issues like delivering for... That speak directly uh, to us, right? I think that speak more directly yeah. to us. Uh, we also, we have some, um, I think, interesting thoughts from, for example, TADJ, who says, I think it's a necessary evil. Um, and I'm sure in the short term, it will trigger negative perceptions. However, results matter more. And if within his tenureship, hopefully the next five years, uh, Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim is able to reform the country, minimise corruption, then that's what people will remember. And I found that really interesting because I think that that um, kind of longer term approach does help to put things in perspective. That it is true. This is um, it's not a storm in a teacup because, like you just said, it is an important position. It is an important decision. But it's also worth thinking about it in in not weeks and months, but years.
In fact, the long game, yeah. right? So playing the long game is something that it's it's hard. I think for a lot of people, to think it sounds like a cop out. It sounds like uh, you know saying. Uh, excusing your present uh, failures by, you know, referring to the bigger picture and all these expressions that we have uh, that are about putting things in perspective uh, and giving things a sense of proportion. It's it's difficult, and 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 therefore, it's 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 going to be. Uh, I think it's going to catalyze some real positive change. I want to close off with this one from Nash, um, or rather, the last part of Nash's message. It's real politic, guys, um, which I thought, which I thought <laughs> set the tone um, in many ways for our conversation today. All right, um, thank you everybody for sending in and for sharing um, your perspectives on this issue. We'll wait to see what happens. We are uh, going to cover, of course, the cabinet announcement when it happens. We may do a cabinet dream team question. We'll see. Oh, that'd be um, nice, right? I think so. If there's time, we don't know when he'll say. I mean, wish list. Everybody loves wish list. Yes, um, and we'll hopefully get to that. This is the evening edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.